Buddy. I'm not your buddy guy. Buddy. I'm not your guy, friend. I'm not your friend, buddy. <laughs> Classic. Ladies and gentlemen, do you respect Wood? I'm Kent Garrison. I'm Brian Gill. And I'm Richard Barton. And this is Mad About My You sound insane. You like that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Showtime. Mad About Movies is your go-to podcast for all things cinema. We talk movie news, movie rumors, and we give you a detailed analysis of our chosen movie of the week. But don't worry, we will warn you when we go into spoilers. Remember to stay tuned till the end of each episode for our weekly recommends, in which we each suggest something that you need to check out ASAP. This week, we are focusing our efforts on what, Brian? Tonight, you're getting a little bonus episode as we talk about the HBO movie, Clear History. Ladies and gentlemen, The Howard. The Howard? Yes. Nobody's going to buy a car named Howard. Call it a Dewey. That's a good name. Call it Duncan. I'm really sorry. It doesn't matter if you apologize if it's not sincere. Apologies don't have to be sincere. That is literally the only thing an apology has to be. I'm sorry it had to be like this. You see? You apologized, but you didn't mean it! Man, guys, I I know last week (laughs) I called dibs on weekly recommends for this one. I'm glad. I'm super glad we're doing an episode. Because, Richard, I believe you you texted us this week and we're like, we started kind of talking about it in text and I was like, no, 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 save it, save it. It's just, this movie (laughs) is so hard not to just talk about with your friends. Uh, Especially if your friends are Larry David uh, worshippers. Such as Richard and I and Brian, I yeah. know you're you're fans of a lot of the stuff he's done too. So, so we'll get into that. Uh, so look forward to our discussion on clear history. Uh, but let's mention a little bit of movie news, uh, rumors, rumblings before we before we get started. Uh, Brian, I know you've probably uh, kept up with a little bit of the the movie news that's gone on the past week. Uh, do you know anything that went down at the Disney the D twenty three Expo? Well, I know that everybody in the world was super upset because we didn't get any big news about Star Wars. And to those Uh people, I say, chill the crap out. It's two and a half years until the movie comes out. Just, it's going to be okay. (laughs) We're going to get plenty of news and teasers and trailers and all that sort of stuff. Chill out. That's that's my big point for, for D23, I guess. But I, did, I, I followed it a little bit. What what are you uh, – what uh, piqued your interest? Uh, piqued my interest, and what's most relevant to this to this episode is the uh, Pixar Pixar news that came out. Um, Pixar kind of gave a sneak peek at their next two movies, I believe, three movies, uh-huh. which are uh, F- Finding Dory, the Finding Nemo sequel, um, one called Inside Out, which is about the human mind. And one called The Good Dinosaur, which is a dinosaur movie. Uh, and it's relevant because Bill Hader has parts in all of them. And so I guess Bill Hader has sort of become the John Ratzenberger uh, of Pixar yeah. 2.0. You know, John Ratzenberger, who's, who did uh, Ham – or not Ham. He did um, Mr. P- – yeah, he did Ham. Uh, he did, um, you know, a bunch of – of other Pixar characters, the guy with the mustache in um, Wally, if I not believe the sort of janitor guy. So 
Um, Bill Hader is, you know, he's left SNL, of course, and he's he's sort of gone into voiceover work. And we'll talk about Bill Hader, I'm sure, more when we talk about Clear History, since he's, you know, he stars in it and everything. Um, yeah. But it's just good to see Bill Hader getting decent work. You know, it's we haven't seen these Pixar movies yet, of course, but I mean, the fact that he's involved in something that looks like it's going to be good is exciting. Yeah. Um, so. What are your thoughts on the new Pixar movies, Brian? Did you get a chance to check out uh, the concept art or anything for them? I saw just a little bit, and I look. I'm, I'm a huge Pixar fan. I always have been. I always will be. I'm excited for them to get back to some original material once we get out of of Finding Dory and and all that. The the one about the whatever it's called, Inside Out, or the one about the human yeah. body. That's a really interesting concept. And then the the dinosaur one looks really cool too. Um, so yeah, hey. Pixar, we all complain about Pixar because they haven't been putting out A-plus material for the last few years. And it's like, okay, yeah, but they also they, they did like 10 A-plus movies in a row. So we can they can take a little break and, and just cash some checks for, for a little while. They'll get back to original material origi- at some point. So, you know, uh, Finding Dory is probably the least excited I've ever been about a Pixar movie except for Cars 2. But it's still Pixar. It'll still be decent quality kids entertainment. And uh, I I loved hearing that uh, I can't remember who said it. I don't think it was Lasseter, but somebody at, at the panel basically said, "Yeah, we we kind of want to get Hater to be in every one of our movies from here on out." And I'm like, yeah. "Yes, make that happen because Bill Hader's the best." Yeah. So uh, yeah, I would uh, I would love to see Hater continue to be involved with the with the Pixar world as he just continues to take over all the world. He's in like nine different commercial campaigns right now. And, um, he yeah, is definitely I'll, making, let's talk taking about full advantage of his post SNL career. Yeah. Um, I, what I wanted to mention about inside out, the cast has come out for it. They released it at, at D 23. The plot plot line is a film told from the perspective of the emotions inside the mind of a little girl. It's directed by Pete yeah. doctor. Uh, Bill Hader plays Fear. Mindy Kaling plays Disgust. Amy Poehler plays Joy. Phyllis Smith from The Office, uh, who plays Phyllis in The Office, plays Sadness. And Louis Black plays Anger. <laughs> <laughs> and each, if you've seen the character designs, um, the character designs are very clever for each of these little emotions. It's sort of kind of like the Seven Dwarves, maybe. You know, how each, there does, the design of the character sort of plays on the emotion of the character. So it's like like you said, it's a really clever idea for a Pixar movie, and you know Mindy Kaling, Bill Hader, Amy Poehler, you know, sign me up, Louis Black. Uh, that sounds like it's going to be awesome. So yeah, totally. I don't really know anything about the dinosaur movie. It didn't really interest me though. Uh, I don't know what they can do there that we haven't seen already. And you know, we're back a dinosaur story from yeah, the early nineties. They, they had an interesting. <laughs> I wish I Land could before think of time, it guys. That's all you head, need. That's all you need. They had a. They had a. It's got an interesting concept. I just can't remember what it. What it is off the top of my head. Sorry, I'm. Um, it's a fail. I know it's the worst. I'm the worst. Um, but let's talk a little bit more about Bill Hader post SNL, because like you said, he's been in all these ads lately, and I was prepping for the podcast earlier. I was downloading um, some clips to use. Uh, for these for this episode, and 
and the TV was on in the background, and it was Bill Hader's voice, and I was on my computer, and I, I was listening. I was like, oh, no, it's one of those – it's another one of those Bill Hader T-Mobile ads. And I look up, and it's the the peanut – Planner's Peanut guy. So apparently Bill Hader is the new voice of uh, <laughs> the peanut man with the monocle. Yeah, yeah. Did you guys know that? Yeah, that was one of the – yeah, one of the mini campaigns that he's involved in right now. Yeah. Bill Hader, guys, everywhere. He's everywhere. What do you think of the, Richard? I want to ask you specifically. What do you think of these T-Mobile ads he's been doing? Get money, baby. Really? <laughs> you don't think you know, it's good, uh bad. Look, I work I work in with a lot of wireless carriers, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the wireless world. That's what sure. I do. T-Mobile's interesting. But hey, you got to get you got to get the money wherever it comes, you know? They're, they're not like cheesy commercials. They're fine. Basically playing himself, kind of easy. It looks like he filmed them all in one day. Good yeah. for him. I don't care. I feel like the stigma of like doing advertisements is kind of over. Yeah, maybe. Like when when Clooney started doing Budweiser ads, I feel like that kind of died. Like it used yeah. to be. It's the, it's the whole plot of Lost in Translation, right? That you have to go abroad to do, make any money to do doing ads. I get that, but now I feel like it's kind of come. And I, I forgive Bill Hader a little bit uh, because Clear History sort of redeemed uh, himself post But I'm just sad that the first thing he did post-SNL, first thing I see him in is T-Mobile ads. You know what I mean? I'm like, come on. You know, like you really want well, to put yourself – He's a movie with Kristen Wiig coming out later in the year, a little drama sure. movie. And hopefully that's good. I, I just like – couldn't they get somebody else, you know? Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like Bill, Bill Hader's no, too cool it. for that. In my I, eyes. I get I got you. I'm with you, but I feel like that stigma – I feel like our kids – you know, Brian's already got a kid. Uh, Kent, you and I are trying with each other to, to you know, yeah. adopt. Um, I, I feel like to our kids, being an ad will not have the stigma it once had to, to young Kent and, and young Richard. Maybe yeah. so. I just – I don't know. I'm emotional about Bill Hader, and we'll talk about him uh, a little bit later, but – I don't. I know. I don't want to. I did not want to do a um, episode on this because of the inappropriateness of this show I'm about to mention. <laughs> um, but have you guys seen this? Orange is the new black on Netflix. I've seen the pilot. I um, haven't watched Brian? it yet. It's on my queue, but I have. I've heard only great things, but I, yeah, I haven't watched sure. it yet. Um, Richard, what, what were your thoughts on it? Um, um so. I'm not a big weeds guy. I know people yeah. love weeds. I'm not a huge weeds guy. I just kind of get bored. Um, but I like this. It was interesting. I mean, obviously, great plot, right? You know, yuppie yeah. person goes to jail for a year. Uh, cool cast, you know. Um, and, and I'm not too far in. Like I said, I'm not going to judge it based off a pilot. I mean, most pilots are terrible. This one was, you know, kept my interest. Um Cool enough idea, but yeah, you're right. Definitely, definitely out there. Ken, what are your thoughts? Sure, I thought that Taylor Schilling, the lead actress, is absolutely great, mm-hmm. and I, I'm surprised she hasn't done more stuff because she's sort of a, a gem. I mean, she's so um, charismatic, attractive, funny. You know, great comedic timing. I think the biggest stuff she she's done is uh, the Lucky One, a, a Nicholas Sparks movie, <laughs> and she was who. Art- who was her co-star in that? The lucky one? Uh, yeah. I believe Mr. Uh, Zac Efron. 
damn right it was. Ze- <laughs> Zephron, I like to call him. You know, <laughs> oh, just to save cute. time. Zephron. Nice. And she she had a small role in Argo, but um, this, I mean, she's great. I think this is going to be her coming out party, not to uh, play on words there if you've seen the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Laura Prepon is, is in it from That 70s Show. Right. I hate her so much. Is she yeah. in it like a whole lot? Because I really don't like her. She's I never not... liked her either, but dude, she's pretty hot in this movie, in this show. I'm not going to lie. When she dyed her hair blonde, I thought she was, looked great blonde. I don't know if you ever saw her when she was blonde, but way better than Redhead. But in the pilot, she's not in it too much, but I don't know yeah. how much she's... Ken can speak to She's in it in the first five seconds, and she's not wearing any clothes, so that kind of tells you what, <laughs> what, kind, of vibe, what yeah. kind of vibe this show yeah. has. Yeah, I was I was told what so one of my cousins watches it is a big TV watcher and she said it's really good but just be aware it is chock yeah. full of nudity and lesbian sex so just just be aware of that going in I was like yeah all right I got yeah. you so so I yeah, I didn't feel like we needed to analyze that really um, on the what's show, funny but... is when my friends recommend shows to me they go dude you're really gonna like Doogie Howser except it's chock full of no nudity and no lesbian sex and I'm like. Oh. <laughs> So it's kind of the other way around for me, but uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if it was up to uh, Neil Patrick Harris, we probably would have some <laughs> some stuff like that. No, but anyway, um, Jason Biggs is in it. It's one of the only things I've seen Jason Biggs in where I find him bearable. Yeah, he's uh, good. In it. He's pretty obnoxious in most most stuff he's done, uh, but I thought it was solid. It's very funny. Uh, there's a lot of memes and stuff going around online about it. And um, a lot of literature, modern literature reference. The sure. David Benioff, uh, very cleverly thing. written. It was very, yeah. very well written. But um, what I wanted to mention is that you know it seems like Netflix has you know hit another one out of the park on on this show. I know your 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 guy um, Alan Sepinwall, who y'all are big fans of his reviews and writing. He's yeah, he's obsessed with it. Kind of. Yeah. He said it was better than House of Cards. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, it probably just, is. I just feel like House of Cards is like tailor-made for the rich man, and that's what I call yeah. myself when I'm, I've been drinking. Yeah. Um, it's tailor-made for the rich man, whereas House, uh, whereas Orange is the New Black is like really good, but I don't feel like it's really for me. Like I enjoyed it, and I'll watch the whole series, but I'm just kind of like uh, enjoy it objectively. But, uh, but uh, whereas House of Cards, I was like, this is tailor-made for me. I'm all in on this 100%. Uh, yeah. But I, I I agree. I, I mean, if someone's in Orange is New Black is better, I wouldn't have much of an argument. My only so, complaint is every episode is an hour. I can't do that for a comedy show. I really can't. It just seems so long. Like it just mm-hmm. doesn't end. Yeah. Uh, so Brian, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was gonna say it's just it's kind of interesting that I the the show that everybody was so stoked about was Arrested Development and that's the reason why a lot I, honestly it's probably the reason why several people a lot of people came to Netflix to begin with because they're going to revamp or re uh, restart uh, Arrested Development and of the three big time original series I don't really count Hemlock Grove because that didn't I mean that just kind of came and went and nobody really cared but yeah. uh, Arrested Development has honestly gotten the least favorable reaction from. And not to say that people just bashed on it or something, but like it seems like everybody acknowledges the House of Cards is an incredible show, and everybody is on board with uh, with Orange Is the New Black and Arrest Development. The show that everybody was wanting is like, hey, it was it was fine, it was good, you know, I liked it. Just kind of yeah. an, an interesting dynamic, and it shows, I think, 
as we've talked about plenty of times on here, no need to really go back into it further than just to say it shows that Netflix and that's Hulu, um, that sort of uh, program programming is, uh, is, is such a viable market, and it's very exciting for what we're going to get for it in the future. Yeah. Um, what I really want to see happen, which we saw with the rest of development, I want Netflix to bring back another show that already sort of had a following. I really want them to bring back Firefly or something, you know? I want them to do a science fiction show that's already got a fan base and bring it back, you know? Even though I love their original content, uh, I really think Netflix is the place for for that type of thing to happen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But it is encouraging. I just wanted to say that their original content is great, you know? Um, yeah. It's, it's really pushing the medium forward as far as on-demand and you know, cable cutting, uh, entertainment. Uh, so yeah, I just want to do, uh, give my thoughts on that. Any, anything else you guys want to mention before we talk about, uh, clear history? No, I think that's good. So let's just get on with it. Let's talk about clear. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam, Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know, it's time to talk about blue apron. If you haven't tried out blue apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron, blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. History. The Howard is literally a billion-dollar idea. Electron Motor stock continued its meteoric rise. That's good news for everyone, except this man. Ah! All right, um, let me just say this. I freaking love this movie. (laughs) Every ounce of every... Not every ounce, because, I mean, this is basically a Curb episode... (laughs) Stretched out to an hour and a half. But, man, I just love Larry David so much. <laughs> so freaking much. Uh, the opening scene is him uh, 
in classic David style, him <laughs> taking a field sobriety test completely sober and still failing because those things are impossible anyway. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> just him driving down the road in the beginning, blaring Chicago and with a beard and long hair <laughs> just sets it off at the beginning. I was so freaking excited when I started watching this. Um, and that was the first scene. <laughs> and he notice he's just getting pulled over and he just looks near you mirror and drops the F bomb. <laughs> he just knew it was coming the whole time. <laughs> um, but, um, like I said, I love this. I love Larry David. I love, I mean, he can do really do no wrong in my eyes. And the fact that he's actually doing, keep, still doing stuff is just it's great. Awesome. I just never want him to stop making, doing comedy and making original stuff. Um, He's like Woody Allen's evil brother. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like I said, I, I really like the plot of this movie. I loved the twists and turns that it took. You don't really know where it's going to go um, at the beginning when, you know, the John Hamm stuff happens and Larry moves to Martha's Vineyard. You're like, what the heck is going to happen here? But I love the cast. Bill Hader's great. Uh, smaller like role. Manda, Manda, yeah. Um, JB, JB Smoove. I wanted to mention Michael Keaton is back. It's official. Dude, he's if there was so any great. doubt, he is back to '80s Michael Keaton. You know, greatness and almost unrecognizable Michael Keaton, which is the greatness, the greatest Michael Keaton. Yeah. Uh, Danny McBride bearable in this in this show. Yeah, or in well, this he's movie. great. He was really subdued. I like subdued. Yeah. Uh, Danny McBride. Yeah. And. Um, I just really, really enjoyed this movie. Um, I get, that's my initial thoughts. I'm sure we'll go into more specifics. Uh, but Brian Gill, the non-Larry David uh, aficionado. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of first, his first Larry David experience, really. I'm excited it, to hear Brian's it, thoughts. Is it your first experience, Brian? I mean, I've seen, I've seen probably 100 episodes of Seinfeld. So, yeah. I mean, well, it's not like I'm just, in a, you know, and I've seen uh, Curb. I've seen a couple episodes of Curb. Um, so I'm probably going to be the lowest of the three of us as far as just how I felt about the movie. But I, uh, but it, it's, it's, it's really funny. It's really, really funny. And I, I love, I, I love the cast, love the cast. This is a, I mean, <laughs> this is a ridiculous cast. I mean, John Hamm is just one of the, the I don't know ten people not actors like people in the world that I that I love just more <laughs> like than anybody else like than most of my friends like I love John Hamm more than either of you two um, it's just <laughs> I don't know there's just something about that guy that just man I just love him so and uh, I love Michael Keaton and I love this strange like revamped small roles like Michael Keaton's like yeah I made. Millions and millions of dollars in the 80s being a movie star. I don't really have to do that anymore. And also, I don't really have to do crappy movies. I'm just going to take really interesting, <laughs> weird roles and people will love me. Like, he did 30 Rock and he was really funny on 30 Rock and it's just yeah. really random role. Um, he's great in The Other Guys, uh, yeah. which is kind of that throwaway Will Ferrell movie. But man, Michael Keaton is awesome in it. Um, no, so I, I love the cast and I really enjoyed Larry David in his element. This is the most I've ever enjoyed Larry Davidness. Um, I thought that, uh, 
he was highly entertained. Now, as far as the movie itself goes, I'm <laughs> I'm kind of against you can't like I think that the story is just the stupidest story that I've ever seen. In that's what makes it awesome. That's um, why it's great. See, it's and so that's ridiculous. what everybody says about Seinfeld, and and I guess to a lesser extent, Curb too. And I hate like I just don't get that argument. Like I don't know. I I, I don't want to get into what just bashing. But let I, me clarify. But, it's, it's just so dumb, but <laughs> but that's fine. That's fine. I'm not saying it. It didn't make the movie bad. It just like when I was told I was a hundred percent in. I don't think it's a spoiler at all. I was a hundred percent in until they decided that they were going to blow the house up. No, that's and what I'm I was talking. Like, that's what was great. Uh, that's what? where it took the turn. I was like, yes. Yeah, that's. <laughs> you know? I went the I went the exact opposite route from there, that point on. I was like. I'm really enjoying the character work. I, I think this is a really funny movie, but the plot is horrendous. This is just really stupid. <laughs> oh, wow. That's, that's that, I was going to clarify and say what I loved is like it's not just, oh, he got screwed out of a ton of money. It's like, no, yeah. I'm going to blow this dude's house up right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? just, that just took it to a place where I was like, okay, I can't quite. And the fact that I can't Michael Keaton is like the scuzzy like plumber guy. <laughs> He's I love that. Yeah. And Bill Hader's love- like his assistant. <laughs> yeah. So I, it just—I don't know. It went off the rails for me. I'm just the—I'm just the, so I just made the introduction. I, yeah. I'm not involved. I just made the introduction. Yeah, dude, I, I actually thought—I mean, honestly, I, I feel about you too. Yeah, I feel like McBride. This is the best he's been since <laughs> Tropic Thunder. Like, I actually actively enjoyed his part, and I have not felt that way in yeah. seven years. You less know, I mean, than, less than Danny McBride. Tone it down a little bit. You're yes. good. We, li- we like you. Let's take it. Yeah. Let's run at a solid seven. You don't have to go on ten on everything. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Richard, before you give your great thoughts, which I know you have, and I can't wait to hear them, I just wanted to, to say that the opening scene, the sort of the pitch meeting with John Hamm and, yeah. and the whole Howard team is just so funny. Uh, the P flap. Larry. <laughs> no, not that. When, when everybody's in the room, Oh yeah, and he drops the name Howard on everybody, and Larry David just gives that face yeah. like, "What the f?" Yeah. And he yeah. goes, "You can't name a car Howard. It's like naming a restaurant Hepatitis." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 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 but right. then everybody exits the room, and they have the P flap. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I'll start there, Richard. What were your thoughts on Clear sure. History? Here's what I love about LD, and I, I am an unabashed Curb fan. I'm a bigger Curb fan than I am a Seinfeld fan. I certainly appreciate Seinfeld, but I I actively love Curb enthusiasm. I think when Larry David is funny, it's unmatched. Like, when he's killing it, it's – he's, you know, uh, Miguel Cabrera. Like, he's on that level. <laughs> yeah. um, and I'm excited for Brian to maybe watch a little Curb, especially the last few seasons. But so – the thing I love about Larry, and this is what makes this movie interesting. So classically, if you if you study comedy versus tragedy in the classic literature or dramaturgy or whatever, you know, um, comedies end happily and, and tragedies end sadly. These are the two distinctions we have in drama. The thing that's great about Larry is, like, you're not, like, this is probably not going to have a happy ending. Like, he doesn't care. <laughs> and so, like, yeah. you really don't know what's going to happen the whole time. Are they going to blow the house up? <laughs> Are they all going to die? Are they yeah. like he does not care about a happy ending at all whatsoever? 
I love that about him. Like the whole time watching, I really don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. The other thing is he's kind of like like the Vince Gilligan of comedy writing. Like Vince Gilligan, the the Breaking Bad guy, he's like noted mm-hmm. for every line or plot point in Breaking Bad comes back at a later point. And that's what they say, you know, Breaking Bad is the best TV show ever. Obviously, it's, it's a hot topic right now, considering they're in their last season as we record this. But, you know, you know, this is the greatest show ever because it no point they don't it's very efficient, right? Like every every line in the show later on in the show comes into play and, and yeah. there's nothing wasted. Uh, I feel like Larry David's great with that at comedy writing. Like everything comes back and it's really well written structurally, story wise, like as ridiculous as the story is, it's a circle. Everything mm-hmm. he writes is circular. Yes. And if you watch Curb, Brian, you'll know every episode is, yeah. Yeah, they always it's always completely tight like that. It always yeah. it always comes full circle and comes back to whatever the point was. That's how minute, Seinfeld was too. Yeah. yeah, whatever the point was in minute two of the show will come back in minute twenty eight, and that's really hard to write if you know anything about comedy writing. That's like really tough. He's, you know, even though Larry's noted for you know, the sort of improvisational, he, he writes an outline and then lets the actors really improv. The actual structure of the show is really tightly written. And this is impressive. Uh, that being said, an hour and 40 minutes is a lot of Larry David take. Um, <laughs> I, I think he's better suited for the 30 minute curb. And I love this movie, but I would much rather a season of curb and where I can take him week by week, uh, instead of having to take on two hours of, of LD. But but I still, I mean, I adore this movie. I mean, it, it was hysterically funny. It's, it's, you know, his every, the thing that's great about Larry David, the character, and I know he's not playing Larry David, but let's all be fair. He, he is. Yeah. I um, and I, and I texted this to Brian. The, the great thing about Larry David is Thank he's completely, he's completely annoying. No, because I was trying to sell Brian on, on, on it. <laughs> he's completely annoying. He's frustrating. He's completely insufferable, but he's always right. Like all these little idiosyncrasies that Larry David has, like he's almost always correct on them. Like it is kind of rude of other people. He notices these things about people that are very, there's a lot of truth and pathos to his comedy. That's hysterically funny. Um, and so I love all the little, the things with the silverware, um, the, uh, the birthday email thing killed me. Like it's my <laughs> yeah, birthday. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to work on my birthday. I don't want to say yeah. thank you. Yeah. That defeats the whole purpose. And the, yeah. and the fact that he's brave enough socially, this goes back to Kirby enthusiasm, Ken, as you know, but where they call him the social assassin, a social assassin, because he'll just say anything. He doesn't, yeah. he'll just tell people they're on his nerves. He doesn't, he doesn't care. And, uh, yeah. he's almost a hero in this sense, uh, is, is hysterically funny. Um, gosh, you know, and look, it's not, I don't think it's as good as curb curbs an a plus to me. This is sure. probably like a B plus, but at the same time, it's just great to see Larry on screen. Like I, he's never around enough. He disappears for years on end, and he comes back, and he's always the same. He looks exactly the same, and he's just always Larry. I love, I love Larry David. Yeah, guys, could could Kate Hudson be any more attractive though in this movie? She's very. I, I've I never been a Kate was, Hudson fan. I thought she was. I, yeah, when she showed up, I was like, "Wow, where have you been?" You know. <laughs> uh, she was absolutely gorgeous in this movie. The aging process has been kind. Of, even Mendez was really funny, and and you know she's always beautiful. Sure. But I'm in a Too Fast and Too Furious alum, so obviously <laughs> a friend of yeah. podcasts. But uh, but definitely uh, definitely great in this movie. She was really funny. But n- there's really nothing funnier in the world. I'm serious about this. 
than JB Smoove and Larry David's talking. <laughs> just interacting. Yes. There's nothing yes. funnier than that. They are there isn't. if they talk for twenty four hours, I would watch them for twenty four hours. Like it's just hilarious. The best it. curb episode is the last season called The Bisexual when they're talking yes. about uh, gloves and bats <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not going to go into detail, but if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. And Brian, I'm going to give you oh. the last season on DVD. You don't have to watch <laughs> the whole series. You have to just right. watch the most recent season. All It's like nine episodes. You can fly <laughs> through it. The way it all ties together, episode by episode, and just it's literally – I'll go ahead and explain this, Brian, because you'll get a kick out of this. So on Curb, Larry and his wife take in some uh, Katrina refugees – some African-American uh-huh. people from Louisiana. They then say that their brother would like to come live with them. But the brother is from L.A. He's not from Katrina. Right. But he still comes and lives with Larry in his billion-dollar <laughs> house, whatever. His name's Leon, played by J.B. Smooth. Larry I do love J.B. Smooth. Him and his wife then divorce, and Larry starts dating the Katrina refugee, the sister of J.B. Smooth. They eventually break up, and the family moves back to New Orleans, but J.B. Smooth just stays with Larry because they were so fun together, and now they're just roommates. They're just 15-year-old yeah. guys that live he together. He just won't leave, yeah. Yeah, he just won't leave. And Larry likes him, so he doesn't really ever ask him to leave. So he just has this – he plays himself. You know, he's the writer of Seinfeld. He's got $300 million. <laughs> he just lives with this guy from L.A. for no reason <laughs> just because they're funny together. And right. So it's just the most bro- – and something happened. Like those two are magic together. It was yeah. – it was great to see them. And anyway, in the most recent season, Larry moves to New York for a while, and, and Leon, played by James Smith, just follows him. Like just, now, he, he just lives, shows up in New York. He just shows up. <laughs> he drives Larry's uh, Prius across the country. And man, this this car. You know, I got eight guys in here. I got eight guys in here. Larry, you you fit eight people in my car. <laughs> There's just all these McDonald's wrappers in it. And stuff. <laughs> anyway, it's just you have to see it. But those two. Should never be separated. I, they should tour the country. It's uh, gosh, I love JB Smith and Larry David together. It's it's absolute gold. Yeah, I love. If you don't, if you are familiar with how Larry David writes, I mean, not, Seinfeld wasn't written this way. Uh, Seinfeld mm-hmm. was all scripted, hundred percent. But but you know, with Curb and and with Clear History, I mean, he writes a plot points, and everything yeah, else like, is improvised. Yeah, you know, he'll say like, "All right, we're gonna," you know, in this scene. Uh, Smooth JB or Leon, I should say. Yeah. All you got to do is basically say, in, in whatever words you want, I'm staying at your house no matter yeah. what or whatever. Yeah. And then, you yeah. know, they'll hash out the scene and argue right. and everything. There, there's nothing funnier than when Larry no. David raises his voice <laughs> and starts screaming. You know what I mean? <laughs> the best moments is where, where he just goes all out on somebody. Yeah. Uh, well, that's true, and, and you can see that that writing mentality. I mean, the way he structures everything in the in Clear History, and and I love that. I love when improv is is good. It's the best. I mean, it, it's the best yeah. thing in the world. And yeah, and so uh, the, I mean, I texted you guys because the I mean, it's like five minutes into the movie, <laughs> the P flap conversation that uh, that he has with John Hamm is is gold. I mean, honestly, the rest of the movie could have just been. I don't know, like <laughs> farting or something, and I would have just because of that conversation, I would have thought it was pre- it was hilarious because it, right. I mean, it killed me. I was crying, I was laughing so hard. So, right, all I'm gonna say is in their most recent season of Curb, Michael J. Fox <laughs> lives above Larry, 
in his uh-huh. apartment building, and he makes too much noise because of his Parkinson's, <laughs> and they get in a fight over it. That's all. That's my old selling point on the season. Larry yeah. and Michael J. Fox fighting about his Parkinson's <laughs> making too much noise and keeping Larry and Leon awake all night. That's all you need to know. Like he doesn't care. Like he will write. He will improv about anything in the world. It's so funny. Yeah. Then um, this, yeah, that PFOP conversation. John Hamm was great, just in a cool, you know, supporting role. Um, Kate Hudson, fabulous. Um, I mean, just it's just a fun. It was just fun to watch these people come into Larry David's world. Like, yeah, yeah. I want to watch Don Draper improv with Larry David. I'm in. I want to watch oh. Michael Caton get after it with a weird Martha Vine- Martha's Vineyard <laughs> accent. Awesome. <laughs> it's just like. Uh. And you know it, it's not a ten out of ten. There's some boring parts of the movie. It, you know sure. it's it's a, sure. you know it's fine. But it is, when it's funny, I was you know Larry, Larry David is able to make laugh out loud moments out of very uncomfortable moments better than anybody yeah. in the world. He he's one of the few people that I mean I've said before in the podcast I can go into a comedy movie, not laugh one time out loud, and walk away and yeah. be like that was that movie's hilarious. Yeah, I legitimately right. was laughing my yeah. butt off watching this out loud several several times. Um, and I've said, Brian, before, and I'm going to say it again. If you haven't seen the Seinfeld reunion curb, uh, just the arc, the end, the last three episodes, I believe, is season seven. Um, the way they, the way Larry did it, I mean, they, they've all, I mean, Seinfeld and, and them have been offered tens of millions, I'm sure, to do a Seinfeld reunion episode. Uh, but basically what they did was Larry's character in Curb is putting on a Seinfeld reunion episode. So it's sort of a show within a show, you know, like yeah. uh, which Seinfeld was, you know, um, a, a lot of, you know, a couple episodes they, in Seinfeld, they're creating a show for NBC, you know, they, it's all it's, you know, it's perfect. Jerry, da- Larry, David, um, the and, way they did it. And most but, importantly, J.B. Smoove and Michael Richards alone in a room together. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a there's a joke, ongoing joke in those three episodes about uh, somebody left a ring stain on Julia Louis-Dreyfus' table at a party. And she spends probably three episodes trying to figure out who um, who left the ring stain. And Larry gives him this huge rant about respecting wood. And he's like, I would never do that. I respect wood. I respect pine, oak, all kinds of wood, particle board. <laughs> so he, so now Larry takes it on himself to try to find out who did it, and he's like, he'll go up to people and he, he'll like sort sort of suspect that they could have left the stain, the ring stain. He's like, let me ask you something. Do you respect wood? <laughs> like, uh, I guess you guess. <laughs> yeah, I don't think then- you do. <laughs> The whole thing he does, the whole all of season seven, he does the Seinfeld reunion to reunite with his wife. Yeah. So the start of season eight, he's reuni- it works. He's reunited with his ex-wife, and they're going to get back together. And then she puts a drink down without a coaster, and he realizes it was her all along. And he's like, they're about to like, you know, reunite in this rom- big romantic moment. And then, do you respect Wood? And then they get into it. Like it's just no. It's and then so he, goes, he finds like, out that way- she leaves the ring stain, and he's like. I need you to call Julia right now and tell her you left the stage. She's like, Larry, I'm not calling her and telling her I left the room. He's like, no, I think you need to. He just needs to be cleared up. And totally ruins his, like, chance at getting back with his ex-wife. She just leaves. 
<laughs> they get a divorce. It's so I funny. Mean, it's, it's so like nihilistic and like he. <laughs> that's what I mean. Like that's what's great about Larry is it, it, there's a lot of great comedy writers in the world that I love. But the the notion of comedy is that you have to wrap it up tightly and everything has to come to a happy ending and that's great. I mean, any show we love. I mean, The Office, uh, Rest of Development. These all kind of come to some sort of resolution that that makes us happy. Larry doesn't, and that's what's so great about Curb or any of that. Even Seinfeld had that ending where they all ended up in the jail with people hated, but was really kind of brave comedically. Like that's what's so fun about watching a Larry David written comedy is like I don't know where this is going. Like at any point, all of these people may die. Like someone may just like I I don't know I I. I'm totally lost in this. I'm in it for the long run. So he's such an enjoyable comic writer to, to follow. Yeah. Um, and, and like you said, Richard, about the Larry and JB smooth being great, man, Larry and Jerry together. Yeah. Is, I love those, man. When those <laughs> two get together in a room, it's just magic. It's just like God put them on earth to be together <laughs> to write comedy. And, and like, there's, there's a scene. They're so similar, but Larry's, I mean, Larry's the pessimist and Jerry's the optimist. Uh, yeah, like George, I mean, is Larry David. You know, once you realize that, mm-hmm. it, it really does give you a whole new perspective on on Seinfeld. I mean, I've, I think I might have said before, I'm probably the biggest Seinfeld fan maybe ever. I just like, I love that show. I just think it's so comedically, and every episode is good, I think, you know. It's all strong. Uh, I can see how it could get old. To people, but I just think, as far as comedy, it's one of the most strongly and cleverly written comedy series to ever come out. And oh yeah, um, totally. So yeah, I, Brian, you have to. You, I know you have HBO Go or whatever. You have to get on and watch uh, the episodes called the reunion, the table read, and uh, mm-hmm. the ep- the the last one is called Seinfeld, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but you have to see that. Um, yeah, right. you have give to. It a shot. You really do. Even if even if you're not a Seinfeld fan, Brian, I promise you, it's different. Like it's a different. Yeah. I, it's right up your alley. Like if you enjoyed Clear History at all, raise it, multiply it by five, and that's Curb. Like that's all how right. great Curb is. Yeah. All right. And so oh, we'll give it a shot. To... Okay. Promise. I I promise. Next week, I'm going to ask you. I'm really. Angry. I'm not going to. I probably won't get to it this week, but I will get to it. Uh, I promise you guys. Excuses. I'll send you guys promise rings in your various locations. Sweet. Uh, so, what do you guys think is next for for Mr. David? Do you think uh, another season of Curb? I hope so. He's so cryptic about it. He, you know, I mean, maybe that, or maybe he'll become offensive coordinator of the Jets or something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> did you guys, Brian? Did you? Listen yeah. to that Rich Eisen podcast. I didn't listen to it, but I saw the I saw he was on it. I saw the reaction afterwards, just like holy crap, Larry David knows more more about football than most people in the NFL. He goes, he talked about offensive, and then he talked about he'd be a great defensive coordinator because he would not he would refuse to run his own. He was like, every guy on my defense, he guards a guy on the offense. We're going back to the schoolyard, baby. And he would never he would never punt either. No punts yeah. at all. Yeah. I'm with that. <laughs> you can't score a touchdown if you punt the ball. You got you got someone four downs. Please, go four downs. <laughs> someone please make Larry David a head coach, and then please just for the press conferences, like yeah. like look, Jacksonville, you have nothing else right. going on. Right. Like, can we please? <laughs> I just want to watch Larry David with a headset. I want to watch him screaming as quarterback. I want to watch a press conference every week, just by the zero 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 point one percent chance that they're good. 
It'd be hilarious if Larry David just leads the team to the playoffs. <laughs> just as a social experience, can we make that happen? I wish, man. I'll I'll try to pull some strings here at the Cowboys and get them in here. Yeah. You know, yeah. We, pro- we need an offensive coordinator. Um, but, guys, clear history was awesome. I just wanted to say it made me happy that it was decent, you know. I just – did you guys see um, Whatever Works, the Woody Allen, Larry David movie? Richard? Yeah, I saw it. I mean, I see every Woody movie. I love Woody, but that was a pretty bad movie. Like, it wasn't yeah. great. I, I, don't, I don't lay it at the feet of, of Larry either. Um, look, Woody, Woody's great, but Woody makes – you know, when you go to a party, you know, if you kind of shut your mouth the whole time and just – make jokes when they come to you, you'll be a popular guy at the party. But if you if you talk incessantly, then you're going to have some swings and some misses. It's all about batting average, right? Right. Um, when you make a movie every year, like Woody does, some of them are going to be bad. That just happened to fall into the bad category. But, you know, I'd love to see them work together again, maybe with Larry in a supporting role. Um, yeah, I, I, I definitely would. But I, I don't know. Um, man, I'm just... I just want to watch this movie again. I'm gonna as soon as we get off this podcast, I'm gonna watch it again. <laughs> it's so funny, um, Brian. Any any other thoughts on Clear History? No, I enjoyed it as a as a non Curb or Seinfeld avid watcher. Um, it was enjoyable. So I would say to our our listeners, if you're if you're like me and you're not a huge Seinfeld fan and and aren't uh, a watcher of uh, of Curb, you can uh, you can still enjoy it. And the cast is. The cast is what makes the whole movie. It's they're they're spectacular, and there's nobody in this cast who who isn't really bringing it and uh, and getting it on the improv front. I feel like a lot of times, um, like this may be a horrible example, but like uh, Adam McKay, who yeah. makes like Anchorman, those movies. Sure. A lot of his stuff is is improv as well, and uh, and that's great. Except when you get an actor in a leading role who's not really good at that, like, mm-hmm. uh, like not, again, I'm bringing up the other guys, but like Mark Wahlberg, who I really like, I think struggles in that movie greatly to keep up with Will Ferrell and everything else, everybody else that's that's doing the Adam McKay school thing. So um, this movie, there's nobody in the cast who's not really yeah. really good at sure. at improv, and I. I it, the way that they speak to each other is is just is hilarious. So yeah. I enjoyed it. Like, I enjoyed it a lot. Everything like you know, like he gets into it with the diner owner about the silverware, yeah. and then a couple minutes later, or a couple you know an hour and a half later, he, he's trying to stop the bombing, and they're pulled over <laughs> on the side of the road, and she still doesn't like him because of the silverware, but he refuses yeah. to stop. Like all of that always comes back into play. Yeah, it's just a great. It's a really tightly written movie. Which is yeah. funny because it's a non-written movie, right? You know, yeah. it's and so I, I I just think that's really interesting. And it was directed by Greg Matola, mm-hmm. who did Superbad. Yes, who we which we said is probably one of the top three you to know me, comedies. That's the and, best comedy yeah. of the 2000, 2010. to me. Yeah. All in, all everything. I don't know what's funnier, what's better than Superbad from two thousand two thousand ten. I think that's maybe Anchorman. But I think Superbad actually outranks it a little bit on the rewatchability. I think that is yeah. a, to, in the on the Richard Barton scale the number one comedy of of that decade. I, I I agree with you there, but I just hope this movie leads to more Larry David. Um, he yeah. hasn't he hasn't ruled out uh, 
another season of Curb. And when they announce another season, I'm just going to be so happy. I own all these his stuff on DVD. I own all the Seinfeld stuff. Man, I just I just hope that he keeps uh, churning out greatness. You know, that's yeah. really all you can hope for. Agreed. Um, so, Richard, any other thoughts on on Clear History? Uh, overall, I give it. A minus B plus somewhere in, in, in there. Uh, you know, was super fired up for it. Watched it, enjoyed it. You know, it was what I expected it to be. Look, I understand an hour and forty minutes is a lot of Larry David. I like I said earlier, I think he's best confined to a twenty to thirty minute thing. Just because, you know, what's great about him is that he's not afraid to be annoying, and that's what makes him funny. Yeah. Uh, but you know, at the same time. He uh, that can be annoying for over an hour. Uh, so if you're not a Larry David fan, you may need to watch this in segments. But I promise you, it's worth your time. Just for this, even if anything, for the supporting cast. We didn't mention Amy Ryan, wonderful in this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Chicago, the band Chicago. Chicago, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so, so random. Paul Shear also. Mm. Leah Schreiber too was great in his little role. I loved it. Paul Shear, who who also does a movie podcast. I don't know if you guys have heard it. Have you heard his podcast, uh, How Did This Get Made? I don't listen yeah. to any other movie podcast, Kent. This really? is the only one. No, I'm just kidding. I just haven't listened to that one. Uh, yeah, check check that. I'll recommend that. Not something I would recommend, but uh, How Did This Get Made? They only talk about horrible, horrible movies. And nice. they just rip them to shreds. It's it's pretty funny. Um, but, yeah, let's move on then uh, to Weekly Recommends. So I said uh, I would have a relevant recommend for this episode, and I do. I'm going to recommend a documentary uh, on Netflix, and it sort of uh, applies to the subject matter of this movie. It's called Revenge of the Electric Car. Uh, I don't know if you guys have checked it out, but it's basically sort of a sequel to another documentary that came out uh, mid-2000s called Who Killed the Electric Car? Uh-huh. Which is basically about the government and car companies' um, effort to get rid of electric cars due to the huge financial, you know, gain that they get from gas and oil companies. Uh, so, Revenge of the Electric Car is sort of about how electric cars have come back. Um, it sort of follows around Elon Musk, who is the inspiration for the newest iteration of Tony Stark, uh, sure. who's, you know, an entrepreneur who sold PayPal, he started PayPal, sold it to Yahoo, and it's sort of taken on his own entrepreneurship with Tesla Motors mm-hmm. and SpaceX and, and this new Hyperloop system that he's yeah, trying to get the Hyper- Brian, have you seen the Hyperloop? No, I haven't. So the Hyperloop is, you know, you go to the bank and you, you, you put a check, you drive through and you put your check in the thing and it sucks it up and, you know, goes through the teller, right? That little right. tube? Yeah. Okay, so if you could put humans in that, in a little vessel, yeah. imagine you sit in the uh, thing you put your money in and it sucks through the tube. Uh, it's basically a solar-powered, frictionless travel system, and you could go like 800 miles an hour frictionless no, in a system like that's that. that's minimum. That's like minimum yeah. speed. You can go yeah. up to, up to 4,000 miles an hour, that yeah. you're saying. You could get from L.A. to Beijing in 45 minutes. Yeah, in the thing, wow. it's unbelievable. So he's trying to get this funded. It would basically be ground travel that would like replace airfare and trains and all that. Uh, right now, they're starting off with like a 600 mile per hour version that would go San Francisco to LA in 45 minutes. Yeah, um, to kind of as a pilot program to show the technology, and also it would be like 
70 bucks a ticket. Wow. Um, yeah. Pretty crazy. But this guy is definitely like kind of the uh, looking to be the kind of the Steve Jobs of the travel industry. Definitely fascinating. Uh, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. But uh, that's interesting. I'll check that documentary out. Go to, go to SpaceX. Uh, yeah. S-P-A-C-E-X dot com slash Hyperloop if you want to check out Hyperloop um, or just okay, Google sweet. Hyperloop. It's cool. Uh, but the documentary is cool. It's sort of – it follows the you know the resurgence of the electric car, the uh, Chevy Volt, the mm-hmm. um, the Tesla, which is crazy. It's like a sports car that runs off 6,000 laptop batteries and gets you know 200-mile range and 400 horsepower. <laughs> so it's a pretty incredible electric car. And it just, you know, it's a great documentary that talks about um, the resurgence of the electric car. And I really, my next car is going to be either hybrid or electric. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to do that. It saves a lot of, saves a lot of dough, I think, in the in the long run. Even though they're kind of expensive now. Uh, my buddy and I visited in San Francisco this past weekend. Had a uh, Prius, and man, that thing is silent. <laughs> yeah, like he drove up, and I had my back turned. I didn't even hear him, and he had to like honk at me. It's like whoa, came out of nowhere, and it was really cool. So yeah, Revenge of the Electric Car is my recommend. It, it applies to the Howard. I don't know if we talked about the Howard in Clear History, <laughs> being an electric car, and you know Larry David thinks it's a stupid name, but had invested money in it, and he takes back his investment, you know, and ends up losing what ten billion dollars or something like crazy like that. So. Oh, uh, yeah, it's my recommend, Revenge, Revenge of the Electric Car. Uh, Brian, what do you recommend? Sure. So I'm kicking myself for not putting this in as my weekly recommend on Elysium, but uh, I, I kind of forgot about it. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, I watched a on On Demand, which I don't do that a whole lot, but uh, movies like this that uh, are interesting to me but aren't going to get a theatrical release anywhere near me or where I can get to conveniently – um, I'm, a, I'm becoming a bigger and bigger proponent of the on-demand system. So I watched a movie called Europa Report, and it ah. is a uh, it's it's kind of a it's it's basically a found footage movie with an interesting twist in it that it's it's it rather than just play the found footage, which is what we typically get uh, in one of these movies, it's cut like a documentary, and the the gist of it is. Um, we, we send a crew of astronauts off to explore one of the moons of Jupiter that's uh, called Europa. And uh, wait, at wait, some wait, point... Wait, 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 This movie's called Prometheus, right? Uh, yeah, no, yeah. No, uh, yeah. It's, it's similar, yeah, similar uh, premise. But uh, so they, they, uh, they go off to, to explore Europa, and at some point we lose contact with them, and then years down the line we get the footage back. From there, the the shuttle like comes back to Earth or something, and we get footage back. No survivors, and it's just a, it kind of so it, it's intercut with with found footage stuff mixed with what are supposed to be like the the people who who run Mission Control and scientists and things like that. Like uh, Neil, what's his name? Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Sure, is, Neil deGrasse like, Tyson. Plays, yeah. yeah, he uh, he plays a role. And uh, so it's very interesting. It's only like 85 minutes long, and it's got some good scares in it. And uh, and it it all it's a very risky movie, in my opinion, because the entire film hinges on what plays out in the last five minutes. And uh, to me, it uh, it really comes together quite well. It's it's a very entertaining movie. Definitely flawed. Not something that. I want to watch a thousand times over, but it's worth watching one time if for no other reason than to uh, to be able to to talk about it. So, Europa Report is my uh, my pick. 
Sweet, Richard. Yeah, no, I absolutely. I'm gonna I'm gonna recommend. Speaking of Larry David, the uh, newest Woody Allen movie, uh, Blue Jasmine, caught that and uh, and really enjoyed it. Kate uh, Blanchett is unbelievable. Um, we may do an episode on this. We may not, but I just want to go ahead and get. Uh, uh, that's gonna be my best actress pick so far. Obviously, the the wow. award site movies haven't come out yet, but uh, I'd be pretty surprised if anyone's able to top Kate Blanchett in this movie. Uh, Fantastic movie. I love Woody when he's good. It's great. Um, you know, Midnight in Paris a couple years ago was wonderful, and, and To Rome with Love was not. And so it, it looks right. like he's on like an every other year trend right now. Uh, but this is pretty dramatic. Not not that funny, um, but not trying to be funny either. Uh, really great cast. You know, Cable Blanchett, Alec Baldwin. Okay, so I have you so far. You know, Louis C.K., Andrew Dice Clay is randomly really good in this. Uh, Bobby Cannavale, who I adore, like one of my most un- my favorite like underrated actors in the world. Bobby Cannavale, uh, check him out if you ever get a chance to see anything he's in. He's fabulous. Uh, just a really a solid two hours. I, I really really enjoyed this movie. Uh, great deal. Yeah, Ten, hopefully you're weak. I already, oh, you already gave I already gave mine, gave bro. Yours. Come on, get with it. No, Dude, I'm I, sorry, I'm on a routine. Yeah, I know. I, I, I mixed it up tonight. That's my bad. Uh, but yeah, I want to I see Blue Jasmine. Hopefully we get a chance to to do a bonus episode on that one because um, I don't think we've done any Woody work on this podcast yet. And I know yeah. you're, you've got, you guys have got a lot of good thoughts about, about that stuff. So yeah, hopefully we'll get – hopefully if you guys request it, uh, just tweet us or something if you really want to hear it and we'll, we'll work it in, hopefully so. Uh, anything else you guys want to mention before we uh, get out of here? No. Nope. I got nothing. Summer, summer's over, it seems like, guys. Summer is almost over, man. Stay, tuned. Over. Stay tuned to the website. I just wanted to say in the next few weeks, uh, because we'll be doing a summer recap episode. Yeah. Uh, just mm-hmm. talking about our likes and dislikes about the summer movie season. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the next few weeks are a little lean, but then we start getting to award season. We're going to have a yeah. lot of fun. That's, I, I really feel like, you know, October, November, December are going to be as good as this podcast ever gets with the the oh, yeah. quality of movies that look to be coming totally. out discussion wise. Like if you are enjoying this podcast so far, first off, thank you. Yeah. Uh, we, we appreciate it from the bottom of our hearts, but it's only going to get better from here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Brian Gill, where can I find more of your work online? You can find me on Twitter at bgill 12, or you can find my writing at can babies Richard. Hey, you can find me on Twitter at Richard Barton, or you can find my writing at richardbarton.com, which I'm about to totally revamp. I've got some pretty cool ideas, just to tease it a little on the podcast. Richard, you should clarify your last name is B-A-R-D-O-N, because I had somebody somebody say, I tried to look for Richard on Twitter, but B-A-R-D-E-N was not him. I was like, uh, yeah, because it's not spelled that way, so it's Barton with an O. I think Yeah, B-A-R-D, yeah, it's kind of a weird last name. Uh, my family were – I'll give you a little history on the Barton clan. We were Bartons, B-A-R-T-O-N, in England. And then we spent a little time in Australia. We all know what that means. And uh, changed, <laughs> changed, our, changed our name to Bardon and then left Australia at some point in the 1800s. So if you're, your name is Bardon with a D, you are either A, French, or B, related to me directly. There's not very many Bardons in the, in, in the world. So uh, B.S. Richard – B-A-R-D as in donkey, O-N as in Nancy boy. And Ken, where might I find you on these interwebs? 
find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison. Uh, find the web, find the podcast on the web at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Find all our episodes on there. Weekly recommends on there. Contact the show. Learn more about the show on there as well. Uh, anything else and you every, guys want to mention before we get yeah, out of here? Everyone, look, we're getting some great download numbers. We're, we're running these numbers all the time. We do this podcast because we love to talk to each other, but but also we, we're really passionate about this. We love we love our audience, and we're, we're is if you guys are fans of us, we're even bigger fans of you. But hey, get on the iTunes thing, comment, let us know some stuff, send Ken sure. some emails, you know, comment on the website. We we want we want some input from you guys. We know you're listening. We're super psyched. We're getting you know hundreds thousands of downloads every week. Let's sure. let's you know we want this to be a community. It's not a. Uh, not just us yammering on. So, so please, you know, send us anything you want to send us on Twitter, whatever you want to do. Please let us know. You know, but I see their perspective, Richard, because you know I don't like to talk to celebrities. You know, it's awkward, <laughs> it's awkward to message celebrities. So I see, Look, I see their point, but I just want to let them know that we're approachable guys. We yeah. want to hear from you. Totally. Yeah, please do. We'd love to get in a. You know, I'll bash you on Twitter. You know, <laughs> or you know, I'll either get into it with you, or you know, Brian will send you some like Anthony Weiner direct messages. So right. either way, it's a win. <laughs> right. Well, on that note, guys, uh, until next time, we'll see you at the cinema. Goodbye. See ya. Goodbye. <laughs>